Welcome to the Runners Roundtable podcast. Season four is conversations with runners, and each episode features a conversation with an inspiring female runner who is making the running community better in her own way. In this episode, I'm talking to Sharon Mexel about how she elevates her running to spread awareness on sun safety. Enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. Welcome everyone to another episode in season four of the Runners Roundtable, where the season is all about the ladies. Each season is always all about the ladies, but this season in particular is about the women who are inspiring us within the running community and who are doing what they can to change the landscape of running. And today I am joined by Sharon Mexall. I was like, I know my tongue is going to get caught up in it. There are very few words that my Spanish speaking self has. Yeah. So I was was like, I know I'm going to trip up on that. Um, So Sharon, I'm going to let you say your name correctly, but first I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. And I also want to shout out Sabrina. Yes. Swifters. I'm like, I had the sweater on, but I'm just going to shout it out here, show it here because I was wearing it, but now it's too hot in my house to to continue wearing it because she's the one that connected us together. I know we have other connections, but she's the one that first brought us together. So I love how the running community can be so big and yet so small at the same time. And it's just amazing. It's amazing to me that this thing called running is what's bringing people together, even when they live on different coasts of the country. So, so excited to have you here. Can you introduce yourself and pronounce your name correctly? Because <laughs> I obviously cannot. And let us know how you got into running. Sure. Uh, Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, My pleasure being here today. And yes, major shout out to Sabrina for, um, yeah, this connection. Yeah, it's funny how um, the running community is so small. And uh, like, I feel like I know, like Sabrina is my neighbor, basically, but she's like all the way across the, the country. But uh, my name's Sharon Mexel. Um, I'm uh, I live in Orange County, California. I've been here about um, 15 years, maybe now, um, and I have been a runner probably since my early 20s. About getting close to 20 20 years now. You know, start. I went to grad school in Colorado, uh, in Denver, Boulder area, and um, you know, everybody out there was was a runner. We were doing 5Ks you know, before they were handing out medals for every 5K participant. Um, it was just something we did to burn off stress, to have fun. Um, and yeah, I, I went to school out there to uh, study genetics. And I'll talk a little bit about that today and um, how that kind of intersects with my personal interests, some of the fundraising um, that I'm involved with and um, really started running marathons in 2016 and you know fell into uh like this world majors uh, that all of us are doing now um in 2018 and that's actually how I met Sabrina randomly I'll I'll share that story when we get to that um but yeah I've been doing that I've finished five of those races now Boston's the last one left and uh yeah we'll see when that happens (laughs) It's amazing because I'm, 
I have, I love when I talk to people who have been running for a lot longer than I have, because it's like, can you imagine nowadays going to a 5k and not getting a medal? Like I, yeah. I can't, I, <laughs> even though it's, it's just so funny how running has evolved in that way and how it continues to evolve. Right. I remember when I would go, when I started running, yes, we got a medal, but it was a cotton shirt. And yeah. now it's like, no one gives a cotton shirt. And I think even at the races that I do have cotton shirts, they're usually long sleeve shirts that are definitely meant to just kind of lounge and chill out post race and not necessarily wear right while running. But so you started running 20 years ago. What made you decide to run a marathon? Uh, I was getting close to 40 and, you know, I'd been doing halves and thought, you know, why not? Let's try one. And so I, you know, me and a, a, my running buddy, we thought, let's do LA marathon. She had done one uh, marathon before that. Uh, so LA is pretty local. So we did that one. And, um, you know, like a typical marathon, first marathon, it was pretty brutal. Um, and I thought, okay, I've done one. That's, that's enough. <laughs> And, and, you know, LA was fun. Um, don't, don't get me wrong, but it was definitely, it was definitely tough to train for and race day was, was tough. It's not an easy course for sure. Uh, it's very hilly, very crowded, not, not PR worthy. <laughs> is that the only time you've ran LA? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, one time is good for me. Yes. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right. So you ran LA for the first time. With that race, did you do a regular entry or were you a part of a charity team? Regular entry for that one. Yeah. So when did you, and we'll kind of dip into this here. When did you start linking your marathon running with fundraising? Uh, so when I started um, doing the world major, so I had gotten into my first one, Berlin via lottery. And then um, I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. I, you know, I, I, uh, in, New York is like eight, I think six or eight weeks later. And I didn't get in through lottery to New York like most people. Um, but I really wanted to do New York that that year and found a charity that was near uh to my heart. Um, because I'm personally uh, you know, been impacted by uh, melanoma and it was a melanoma education foundation in um I think they're they're based out of the East Coast. And uh, they're, they're a nonprofit that focuses on educating um, young adults on sun safety, on skin cancer, and, um, you know, providing funds towards, towards that cause. So I trained and, and ran with that team and did the New York City Marathon, uh, you know, whatever it was, eight weeks after Berlin. And so I did back-to-back -back majors that year in 2018. That was 2018. At what point did you do the other three? Now I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. The three, three majors. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did uh, Chicago the year after, and that was my second fundraising experience. I had joined um, Jack's Fund team in Chicago. That was a great experience. And then obviously the pandemic happened. Um I had had uh, entry into London. I was supposed to go in 2020. And that got delayed a year. So I ended up going in 2021, which was an interesting experience to go to a world major in another country during a pan oh, pandemic. That was very interesting. They had, they had, you know, the 
I know you've run London, but that finish line, I mean, there are tons of spectators out, but the finish line is in front of Buckingham Palace was all boarded up. Basically, there are no spectators allowed. They handed you your medal in a gear bag. Um, so it was, I mean, it was still exciting, but it was, there is the, that element that was gone because of the, the pandemic. So um, <laughs> we didn't get that, the spectators at the very end and that, that finish line cheer, um, but it's still an amazing experience. And then I, during um, the pandemic that, you know, a lot of these races started virtuals and virtuals to gain entry into um, some of these races. And I luckily gained entry into Tokyo for, via one of those virtuals. Um, and so I went just um, this past year in 2023. And um, I you know, saw, saw Sabrina on the finish, you know, on the course there um, that I know that was her sixth um, star and gave her a hug on the we ran into each other, gave each other a hug on the course. So that was fun. And I, I had actually met her in Berlin in 2018 um we had met each other i don't know if you you've probably heard this story we've met each other at the porta potty line in uh berlin <laughs> and just randomly ran into her while waiting there and uh, we've stayed in touch ever since and I, I think we've run three of the the majors i've done she was a part of those yeah so if you need a reason to run a marathon major that has nothing to do with getting your six star finisher. It's right there. It's you might meet your next great friend in a porta potty line. Like that's so good. That's just so feel like something, only something that would happen to runners is to meet your next friend in a porta potty line. So you ran Berlin. I'm like, I was trying to keep track. So it's at Berlin, New York, Chicago, London, Tokyo, Boston's what you've got left. And how many of those majors did you do fundraising for? Because for those of you who don't know, you can fundraise for any race you want. Not You don't always have to go through a charitable partner to get a bib in that race. There are races, charities will love for you to fundraise for them regardless. So how many of those races had that, that charitable component for you? Uh, two of them, so Chicago and, and New York, and then I've done um, other like challenges um, outside of like those those world majors to raise funds as as well, like other like five k fundraisers or step up challenges. And so to to date, I and I know runners are you know crazy fundraisers as well and have raised a crazy amount, but I've raised about eight thousand dollars for melanoma nonprofits to date and. Um, my goal this year um, is to surpass the 10K mark. So that's that's one of my 2024 goals. Yeah, and that 2024 goal is going to be met at which race this year? In Chicago. And <laughs> Chicago, where I get to meet you in person too. So we can have we can have a full circle moment celebrating this moment right here, talking about all of this. I for. Can you explain to people? Because this is something that I try to explain to people. And I had an episode on the podcast. It was a solo episode with me on fundraising. Can you explain to people how you do both? Train for a marathon, like how you personally have done it. Train for a marathon and fundraise at the same time. It's it's very challenging. It's like 
training for two races at, at once. I was describe it. And kudos to those who have done like charity for Boston. Like I'm very intimidated by that amount and the amount of time that they have to to raise that kind of funds. But yeah, I mean for for a race like Chicago, we typically have more time to to fundraise. And so, you know, I'll set up a, a fundraising page, get the word out with, you know, asking for um, donations. Um, I've done, um, you know, shoe fundraisers, which have been really great because a lot of runners have sh shoes lying around and, you know, I'll partner up with different um, local running shoe stores and put a donation bin in their stores and they will collect tons of shoes and um, there's organizations that we can ship those shoes to and they pay you by the shoe or by the pound. And so that, yeah, that's been a great way to raise some of those funds and, you know, gets those shoes that we're not using out of the house and, you know, recycled or, you know, re resold, whatever they, they end up doing with those, depending on the organization. So that's been a great fundraiser to, to partner with. <laughs> I have never yeah. heard of that. And that's absolutely brilliant because it not only helps you build relationships with the running stores or wherever it is you're setting these things up. But it's also reducing waste. I mean, yeah. I know I go through, I usually hoard my shoes for a little bit and then I'll make one big giant drop off, like maybe once or twice a year. But every time I do a drop off, we're talking about, you know, anywhere between three to six pairs of running shoes. So that is an incredible idea for people who are looking into a creative way to fundraise that doesn't really require a lot of effort because I... I've done fundraising before and I did fundraising most recently for the London Marathon last year. And again, I talked about this as well, but just as a refresher for people, especially with these international races that I encourage people to look at the charities that are local to your host country, because for London, when I decided I wanted to do London, I feel like I, I caught it early enough. So I was able to get a charity spot without having to maybe fight or email or get put on a wait list. But I remember looking at US-based charities and their minimum was $10,000. And I thought, there's no way I can do that. Like it's so hard. So I found a London-based charity, Rays of Sunshine. And that was hands down the best fundraising experience I've ever had. Like I, if anyone is listening and they want to go to London and they've got time, Rays of Sunshine, because there was so much support, so much celebration, so much just, it was honestly the best fundraising experience I've, I've ever had. But it started because I realized if I go with a U.S.-based charity, there's no chance I'm going to meet that minimum. It's going to be so incredibly stressful because even the races that I've had that have lower minimums, those are still stressful, like still yeah. stressful of hounding. I feel like I'm hounding people and I'm saying, hey, money, hey, 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 remember me? I'm running. Shaking so, them down. <laughs> yeah, it gets, it, gets, it gets a little bit over, it gets overwhelming. And to think of, I think it's changed, but one of the very first charities I fundraised for, they did not give you your bib unless you met the requirement. 
Is that something that still, that still happens with No, you? I, okay. no, I think, yeah, now more of the norm of you're on the hook for the, the payment. So either you get the bid, but either way, like you're either, you're going to end up paying for it via your credit card or. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. That's what yeah. I've heard. And that's what I've seen yeah. that you have to give your credit card and whatever doesn't get fundraised. And there's also something that, and you can talk to us a little bit about, about your experience, but as I share my experience, I've had fundraisers or charities that allow me to fundraise beyond the race, which mm -hmm. is incredibly yeah. helpful. Like talk about reducing the stress when I know that I have more time. I've met my fundraising minimums by then, but there is something real special that happens after you do the race where I feel like people are so inspired by what you did that they're likely to donate again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I've had that experience as, as well. And, and even as you're getting like close to race day, there's all like, you'll be, you have a tad to go, but like just that excitement building up to it, you'll get a lot more support, like leading right up to the race and even surpass yeah your, your goal. So that's always exciting. How has your experience of racing and training for races changed now that you've added that charitable component to it? It's definitely helped with, you know, the why I'm I'm doing this, um, you know, for Chicago or I'm sorry, for, for New York, um, you know, the, that back to back races uh, wasn't easy. And I did get I did get injured. Um, after Berlin, I, I had a good training cycle. I, I raced Berlin well, but then I had some, you know, IT band issues leading into New York. And I was thinking, how am I going to do this, this race? But just, you know, thinking about, you know, I'm doing this for this charity, all these people have supported me and I didn't want to let people, people down. So, and obviously New York is an incredible race. Um, and so that, you know, the, my, supporters you know who had donated to the fundraiser my fundraiser the you know the the nonprofit themselves all that kind of carried me through that that weekend despite <laughs> despite the pain afterwards of not being able to walk um after the race um but you know even like when when training cycles aren't going well or I'm not feeling motivated it really helps with the my my why and even thinking about you know why am I doing what I'm doing every day when I wake up, it, it just, it gives it a lot more, more meaning for me. Have you always fundraised for similar charities and it's yeah. like a the same cause? I, I can't even imagine like fundraising for a cause that I wasn't, you know, this, <laughs> this cause, it would be so hard, like not, you know, finding something I was passionate about. Yeah, that's usually my my first bit of advice for people who are looking to yeah. do the charity route is find a cause that you're passionate about because that's it's going to make it easier to find easier things. to speak to, easier to share, yeah, why you're doing it, yeah, for sure. And you mentioned it, but can you just clarify for us what is the cause and why is it that cause? So I've been fundraising for um, nonprofits that support melanoma in different ways, skin cancer, um, either, you know, right now it's it's for um, Jack's Fund that's based out of Chicago. Um, they, they raise funds for um, research, awareness, um, education, and, and, and healing is, is their four pillars. Um, but, you know, they, they put up um, 
with the funds like they donate to, to research, put up sunshades at, you know, different places like parks, mm -hmm. um, promote sun safety. Um, and so I have been, I've fundraised for them previously, fundraised for other groups that like Melanoma Research Alliance that all their money goes towards um, research. And um, it's it's really to fundraise for a cause again near near to me. Um, I'm a next month. I'm going to be a 14 year melanoma survivor, and um, you know I was very fortunate that I was um, educating myself and going into getting doctors um, screenings because it can be a very tricky disease sometimes to diagnose, and um, a lot of young adults aren't aware of how early it can be diagnosed. A lot of people think it's a older person's disease um, and it can be very, very serious. And so I'm very grateful that it was caught very early for me and really doing what I can to pay it forward. And especially in um, my profession, I'm in um, clinical diagnostics work in genetics. So, um, you know, I've seen firsthand how much it like treatment and, um, you know, just like genetic testing, things like that have improved patient lives um, just within the past decade. So it's been really, it's given me a lot of hope to see how far we've come just, you know, since my own diagnose, diagnosis and doing what I can to, you know, further share my story, raise funds for more research myself. Yeah, that's something that I didn't know. So I have, I'm going to shout out my friend Yami right now. She's my, she's my esthetician, but she's also my runner friend. But the last time I saw her for a facial, she was like, so when, when's the last time you went to your, your, what are they called? Skin doctor? Dermatologist. Dermatologist. <laughs> I'm like, what are they called? And I'm like, I haven't ever gone. And she's like, go. She's like, just like you make yeah. an appointment for your PCP. You yeah. should have an appointment with a dermatologist, dermatologist, just to have your skin checked out. And I'm like, wait, I can do that. And she's like, yes, you can do that. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that. And, it, you know, for me, and I'm sure it's similar for you, I live in a very high sun <laughs> place. Yeah. Like Miami, Florida is, can be today, not so much, but it's very sunny. I've gotten into the habit of keeping sunblock just in my car so that wherever I yeah. go, it's in my car. And if I'm away from my car for a long time, then it's in my bag. And yeah. it's just gotten into the habit of that. My daughters wear sunblock. And it was just, it. it's to what you said that a lot of us just don't know that we should do anything to take care we, of our skin. Yeah that you can do that what we do so early on like i'm glad to hear your daughters and girls it's a lot easier to get them in the skincare routine or already mm -hmm. in that habit but those habits impact us so much early on like i was diagnosed in my early 30s and definitely like i grew up also in very sunny environments and you know just my pre light skin like set set me up for a higher risk um, but yeah, those, those early habits are so key and that, that's really what I'm trying to promote is that, you know, you know, whether it's daily sunscreen or limiting, you know, when we're in those peak sun hours, um, some protective clothing, all of that makes such a difference, um, when we get into our late twenties, thirties, and then beyond, like all that sun damage just accumulates. And even with the sunblock, like 
we can't oh, escape yeah. the sun. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we spent last summer in Marco Island, which is on the West coast of Florida. And it felt like a desert. I mean, anytime we walked outside, it doesn't matter. Like we definitely tried to limit our outsideness because anytime we went outside, that sun felt like it was baking us. And I find that in those situations, it's real obvious that you need to wear a sunblock, but it's in the situations like today for me, where it's gray out that I have to, you know, remind myself to do it. And interestingly enough, it's the same thing. Yami shout out to her because I'm like, what do I do? I start running in the dark, but then the sun comes out and she's like, just put it on, just get in the habit of putting on sunblock just do it. Just get in the habit. So now it's like, that's part of my thing in the mornings before I get ready. It's the sunblock. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's, it's amazing how building a habit around awareness, how that shifts everything. Right. And it's not, it's, I mean, now that adds what, two seconds to my, to my getting ready before I go out to run. I hear you. It feels, it feels ridiculous. Like I just had a race this past weekend. We were up at like three in the morning, but I knew I'd be out for hours afterwards. So I was putting on sunscreen at like complete darkness in the middle of the morning. Yeah. (laughs) Three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's great. But it's, I think there's, with the more we push ourselves to do these things, especially when, again, I feel like California, the the running season there is a little bit different than here in Florida. Like right now, this is our running season because it's quote unquote winter. Yeah. Um, But even then it's in the summers for those who are training for fall races, you're out there and it's hot and it's, it- it's yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And then, you know, I grew up in more, um, in more elevation and, you know, I, even I was living in Denver when I was in grad school and you don't realize how quickly you burn when you're, you know, at higher elevation. I always joke to my kids, like you're closer to the sun here. <laughs> yeah. And, and it just, it, that sun is just so much more intense, the higher up, even like 3000, 5,000 feet, you don't realize how quickly you're going to burn. I mean, I hadn't even thought of that. I'm so used to being at, at sea level, <laughs> low sea level that yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Now I'm like, oh yeah, I, I kind of do need to think, and then take that into do, consideration. You don't even think like when it's cold out, we'd go like skiing or snowboarding. Like that sun, that sun reflects off of snow. It reflects off of the beach, beach sand here. Mm-hmm. You don't even think about that. And yeah, like you were just mentioning the the cloudy days. Like I've probably gotten some of my worst sunburns on cloudy days because you don't even think about like, oh, it's so nice out. But those rays are just reflecting all over, you know, the, the clouds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so... Again, I feel like there's, and this is part of the the charity, right? Part of the fundraising is that you're helping organizations to spread the word mm-hmm. to people, right? To So that people can become more aware because I think there is, in general, right? The younger we are, the less we take care of ourselves, right? Or if not, yeah. we may take care of ourselves, but we're more reckless in the ways that we take care of ourselves because we think, oh, that's for tomorrow, like that tomorrow future version of me will worry about that. Today, me doesn't have to worry about it. So it's, it's just, it's great because this is being an adult means you have to think about things that you wouldn't think about quite yet. And yet we do. So 
Okay, so running has become this big platform for you, right? Like it's through running that you're spreading this message. And I'm wondering, how do you envision running evolving for you as you continue spreading the message, spreading, spreading the, it's because y'all, it's all those Girl Scout cookies I had before, um, before this started recording. So how do you envision your running evolving as you continue to, even just over the next, what is it? Eight months, eight, nine months, as you work towards that $10,000 goal. I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this because at some point I am going to, I hope to run Boston. And then, you know, I don't think I'll be going after all those stars they'll be adding, but how, how am I going to stay engaged in being active beyond like the, the world majors? And I've really enjoyed getting more involved in um, my local community and like local races. I've been running some of the, the races in, in Orange County for you know, well before the, the majors and really enjoy that and been an ambassador for, for some of them. So really getting more involved in um, some of the local races, the local community. Um, I have kids doing, um, you know, my, my son's in cross country. So I'm really excited. He's going to be running his first um, half marathon this year. And so seeing, you know, my kids getting involved in more and more in, in sports too, and being a part of that has been um, I'm looking forward to that this this year and, um, you know, getting them also involved. They've always been involved in some kind of community um, service. Um, you know, my daughter's in, in Girl Scouts as well, but hoping, you know, to to encourage that from them, that they're adding value to their their community, whether it's it's, uh, you know, through through Girl Scouts or um, other other ways. But um yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping just to to model that for them this year, being involved in the community with with them um, and just staying just staying active is is a part of it for me. Um, so it's it's really helped me. Um, like you said, this running has been a platform for me before um, I started fundraising. I hadn't shared you know, my cancer diagnosis with any of my closest friends, really. So wow. it really gave me the confidence to share my story and hope that it encouraged others to go go in for their doctor's checkup, like apply sunscreen um, that day. It really makes it really makes my day when I get these messages from um, friends that say, "Hey, you know, I went in for my doctor's appointment because you reminded me," or "Hey, I put I've been putting on sunscreen." Um, that that really makes makes my day. That I know that I'm getting the word out there. And it's so interesting, right? Because a lot of people, or what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that I'm just fascinated by running's ability to be more than just the physical act of running, right? It's not just you putting your shoes on and going out the door and getting in some miles. It's for me, for me personally, running is always such a metaphor for life. And it sounds like it's doing that for you as well in terms of giving you the courage to shine a light on your experience. And I guess, why wouldn't you want to share that diagnosis? 
you know, at the time, and again, like you, do, I didn't realize how much of a young person's uh, cancer it was. Um, and I, you know, I was going when I was diagnosing, going through like to have a couple of surgeries. Um, I was just, I had, I had a one-year-old baby. I was just like kind of starting off in my own life. My, my friends were having kids like thinking of their future and I'm in, you know, doctor's offices with all these old patients and thinking, why am I here? And so I just, it was very isolating. And um, I didn't, I didn't realize again until I started on this journey, like it, you know, especially for young women, like melanoma rates are, are rising and um, it's, you know, a, a, in, like, I think it's like breast cancer and melanoma are probably the, some of the most common cancers among young women. And I didn't realize that at the time. So I just kind of didn't talk about it because like, felt isolated everybody's starting families and here I am like what does my future hold so um now I feel like more me with as social media has kind of grown more people are talking about it and um about you know their experiences as young cancer survivors and that's um it's it's good to connect with folks and not feel as as alone yeah, yeah and just want to highlight something that you just said this was all happening when you had a one-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a period of life that it, for me at least, was very isolating as is. Like new parenthood, it's so hard. It's yeah. so, so hard because you really don't even know what pressures you're under because you don't know what's yours and what's society. So here you're going through this, okay, you're a mom now. And what does it mean to be a mom? And now all of a sudden it's, oh, yeah. you are someone who has cancer, right? Like, well, and you're putting, you're kind of putting your body first, almost for this child, this whole year that you're <laughs> growing this child and you're going to all these doctor's appointments. And you're, I remember, I don't remember how long I had um, put off my last dermatologist appointment. Cause I was going, I, you know, I was new to California. I was going to all these doctors for my OBGYN appointments. Um, and, you know, I, I thought, okay, like, it's been a year, I, I need to go. And thank goodness I went. But I remember going back to my OBGYN. And she, you know, she was greatest doctor. And I asked her, like, should I be going to any other doctors or doing anything else? And she's like, Sharon, you've gone to enough. You're going through enough. You're doing enough now. But it was really, I really had to push myself to just make that appointment to go see a, a specialist to get the checkups I knew I needed based off my, my risk, my personal risk. Um, and it really probably saved my life. So I'm very grateful that I prioritized myself, um, you know, after, after having my, my, my son. Yeah. You know, was... <laughs> That's so hard because I, I'm just... I'm thinking back to that first year of life. It's crazy. My daughters. And I'm like, I can't even recall what happens because it's such a whirlwind. And it was for me, a period of, of losing myself, losing that connection to myself because so much energy was going into simply surviving the day and making sure yeah. they had everything they needed. So it blows my mind that 
this is kind of the, you know, the mix that you were living in and that you, it's to me, it's just that double isolation, right? That double isolation of new parenthood, new diagnosis. And through all of that, were you still running too? I was just getting back into things and I, I think I had signed up for like my first half marathon kind of motivate myself and that got put on on hold so I was just like starting like I had only run uh, I think one half before having uh, um, my son so that definitely yeah it it set me back from getting my body back into <laughs> my the the shape I wanted it to to get back into but um Obviously, I you I wanted to make sure I was cancer free and uh, you know healthy for for my family, and to you know to make it even more um, you know challenging like that that time like I had just started also a new job um, at like I think five months after um, my son was born I had started a new job, and it was in it was you know exactly where I wanted to be. It was in um, genetic testing. And um, I remember at the time I was talking to my boss about um, my, my diagnosis. And I remember her she put it specifically, she tried to put me on these projects that weren't anything had to do with cancer um, at the time. So I, she, that was very um, considerate of her. Um, but over time I did, like, yeah, or just our, our industry genetic testing just got so involved in, um, in oncology in, in that I, that's basically since 2013, it's basically all I've been doing is, um, oncology clinical diagnostics. So, um, it's been very interesting journey along the way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is because it's, you're like a cake. You're like a cake, right? Because on one level is your personal experience. Then on the other level is the work experience. And then that third level is the running experience where you're bringing awareness to everything that you do. And it's just, this is maybe a silly question, but was any of that intentional for you? Like I, obviously the diagnosis was not intentional, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> it just seems like, you know, I'm a big believer in the universe and, and like, to me, it just seems like all of this just makes so much sense. Like it's all these areas of your life are just so woven together so beautifully. No, I, I mean, I think you probably understand this as we get older, like we, we, you know, put, try to put focus in and prioritize areas of our life where we feel like this is where, or hopefully, you know, we're, we're, we have the opportunity to focus our time where we want to focus our time, our, our passions. Um, and it, you know, I, I'm fortunate that my work is also in an area where I'm very passionate about where I get up every day and I think, okay, if I'm, I'm able to, if I'm away from my, my family, my kids, I am doing this to make the world a better place, to make it um, a place where melanoma is more, um, you know, easily treatable, where it's caught earlier. And um, yeah, it's, it's, 
given me the purpose to, you know, the, and the motivation to keep motivated because even on like, like in running, there's work days that aren't great either. So it definitely keeps me motivated. Um, hopefully it keeps me motivated for my team at, at work too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all that I think as we get older, we, you know, we, we find that what drives us and that's, that's what's driven me. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, it's really neat to see because it's not, it's such a part of, it's such a part of your story, right? And it's a story that I'm grateful you're, you and were, in, you were open to inviting other people into it because I'm sure that the more you learn at work, the more you realize how much us, you know, plebeians, us, us regular folk don't know about any of that. Right. I mean, I had I I go to a PCP. I go to my you know, my doctor every single year. And my last appointment was the very first time a doctor recommended I see a dermatologist. Right. And I go every year, like every year, like clockwork, I'm going to the doctor to get checked out. And that was, you know, I left that visit with like, oh, okay, I, I didn't even know I had to do this. And again, that kind of coincided with the conversation that I had with my friends about having those checkups, just like you go to your, your annual physical and even something like that amazed me. Cause it's, it's, I don't know how much you're coming from the research side of things, right? So, you know, you have just a different view of things, whereas doctors, maybe some doctors still have that belief that something like melanoma is an older person thing. So we're not going to tell if you're under the age of 40, we're not going to mention it to you. And it's, you know, it, it is, um, you know, you do need to be aware of your family history, um, your, your personal history, if you're at risk and, and advocate for yourself as, as well. And hopefully have a good relationship with your doctor that they're uh, willing to send you to a, a dermatologist, even as a, a baseline screening. But yeah, some people, if they have a family history or a personal history, like I have to go every six months, some people go even every three months, I, I used to have to go every every three months, but it's really based off of your your risk and primary care physicians, um, you know, there's so much changing in the in the oncology space. Um, sometimes they aren't up to speed on the latest and, and greatest. So I remember, you know, I, I was working in genetics. I was, so I, when I was diagnosed, I was asking them about certain genetic tests. Should I get this done? And they had no idea what I was talking about, like these genes that I was um, telling them about. So I ended up not going like pursuing that because, um, you know, I was early enough and it wasn't in, in my diagnosis and it wasn't going to change the way I was getting screened, but I know I need to go in for a dermatologist every six months. I know that I'm more at risk for certain cancers. So I'm on top of my cancer screenings and um, my doctor help my PCP helps me like make sure that I'm getting my mammogram that, you know, all of that on when I'm supposed to be getting it. Yeah. yeah. And I think, if anything, for anyone listening to this, it doesn't hurt to ask your doctor. Like if the doctor doesn't or bring it up, you can ask. Get a second opinion if you don't want your doctor's opinion. Yeah, I mean, there there have definitely been, I've definitely had appointments where I go and I ask a question and my doctor or, you know, the doctors will dismiss me 
or dismiss my questioning. And I kind of have to explain then like, okay, but this is where this question is coming from. Like, because this is what's happening with me. And this is, these are things that I'm concerned about. And then they change their tune, right? Like it's, it's, but you do have to, you do have to speak up for yourself when it comes to medical situations, but that's like a, a whole other story for another day. And I, I wanted to get back to something you, you said, and really just cause now, now I just want to know. So you're going through first year of life, you're going through diagnosis, you're going through treatment, kind of take a break from running. What made you come back to running? Right. Because I feel like hearing you, I'm like, running is really hard. And I can't even imagine everything your soul and your body went through during that period of time that you came back to something that, that is pretty hard to do. Well, no, I, I missed it. And I really wanted to get back, you know, active. Um, it, I mean, it, it helps, you know, with my mind and my body. And so I really wanted to get back. I really wanted to get back and run another half marathon. I think, I, yeah, again, I, I only had run one prior. So that was my goal. Like I, I wanted to run another one um, and get back into it. So I think, I think it was, so I was diagnosed in 2010. So I think in 2011, I ended up getting back into half marathons and just slowly. And then, and then, um, you know, then starting to run with um, my running friends again, and we'd sign up for like 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons together. So that was a lot of fun just to get reconnected with my my friends, my running community, um, and I that I'd missed so much. Yeah, and community is so important. So you've done so 2018, am I, is that right? The first time you did a fundraiser for, yeah. for Homelinoma? Okay, so 2018, we're in 2024. So it's been six years, right? Six years that you've been doing this fundraising. And how has that, I guess it's, I, and I wrote this down where it's, why did you pick running to be that connector for you? I, so running races these days, as you you mentioned too, like it's so integrated with fundraising. So many people um, are doing this for to raise funds. So they, um, a lot of these races make it so easy to find a charity that um, you're passionate about, um, sign up with them. Then the, those charities make it. Um, they support you through your fundraising journey. They give you tips and support. Um, it, and so it was just such a good fit. I hadn't even thought of it before, um, you know, starting to run these these majors. Um, so that that was one of the great things that came out of these World Abbott World Marathon majors is it brought to light that there's this whole other aspect of running these races of promoting these um, important causes and raising funds for them that um, I hadn't even really thought of it. And, and, you know, beyond just the world majors, I've, I've done little, like little charity fundraisers um, for other melanoma nonprofits and um, raised funds through um, like the melanoma research Alliance. They have a step up challenge every May for skin cancer awareness. And it's just, 
can you get 10,000 steps in every day? And, and it's tied to a fundraiser. And it's such the first year I was at um, my my current job, uh, my company was host was had partnered with them. So we did it as a work team. It was so much fun just to be active and to promote um, you know, skin cancer awareness, raise funds at the same time. So it's just been a natural fit to be active and um, pair it with these these great causes. Yeah. So I want to ask this question and so that people can can kind of understand it. And hopefully I'm not trying to be controversial, y'all. Not at all. But again, to highlight the fact that it was $8,000 K, $8, in six years, hoping yep. to get to that 10000 mark. Again, you've done this over six years. Yeah. You kind of explain to us why raising $10,000 for a race like Boston that you want to do, that is your final star. Can you explain to us what some of the hesitation is there? Because I've seen, you know, I'm part of different like groups because I'm, I'm, you know, I've got, I've got Boston and Tokyo left on my marathon majors journey. At this point, I'm like, ah, if I do it, I do it. If I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But it's fascinating because part of Facebook groups or just different communities. And yes, we hear often of, you know, the charity runner takes away a bid from other runners. And that's not what I want to focus on. What I want to focus on is, are the comments that are like, just fundraise, it's easy, or just do it. And it's like, you know, like, so again, I, I bring it up because it took you, it will take you six years to get to the 10,000 mark. What are we missing here? What are people missing when they say, just do it, it's easy to raise $10,000 for one race in one season? I mean, as you know, training for a marathon is like another job. And then you have a, a job on top of that and a family. And then on top of that, it's fundraising is is like a job in of itself. Um, it's you have to think about, OK, what you can't just ask for money. <laughs> you have to think of other creative ways. Um, you know, I, I listened to your podcast with Sabrina. I know she uh, did like an Orange Theory Fitness class to raise funds. Um, other people do, you know, uh, other events like the the shoe fundraiser or bingos, like bingo squares or Super Bowl squares. Um, you just have to think. And I see on those those Boston charity groups all these creative ways, but that's a lot of planning and organization. Um, and it's the the difference also with Boston, not just the amount you have to fundraise, but the little time that you have. So I considered it, um, I think in 2021, 2022, I had actually, an, uh, I was, I did have an, uh, an offer to fundraise for a melanoma nonprofit, but during the pandemic, I just couldn't fathom raising $10,000 in, what was it, three months maybe was all I had during a pandemic when people were like, why are you asking me for anything <laughs> right now? Um, it's just, it. it's such a short amount of time. Um, to me, I, I hate to say this, but it feels almost like a hostage situation. Like here, we're going to give you this bib. You give us $10,000 <laughs> for this bib. It's just doesn't, it takes away from me kind of the, the joy. I mean, as, as much work as, as it is in why I do the fundraising, why I do the training. Like I wanted to go back to Chicago this year and wanted to rejoin Jack's team because 
they were such a great team to work with. I really believe in their their mission. And I they were so hospitable when I was out there in Chicago. I mean, it just felt like they were family out there. And so I really was excited to rejoin them and not have all this pressure of, oh my God, I've got to raise $10,000 in three months and train for a race and stay injury-free. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that is... I, I bring it up too, because I think the something that is implied in, in all of this is, is what's your network like that you have people with enough money to, to donate up until that amount, yeah. or even like, I've seen people are like, get your company to match. And I'm like, what company are y'all working for? Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I work for myself, so I'd be matching I've, myself, but I've never worked for a company that matches like this type of, um, uh, yeah, even, even when it was, they were partnering with, um, like melanoma research Alliance, it, you were on your own to fundraise. Yeah. And that's just something that I was like, I want to, I just kind of want to talk about this just so that people know it's not like, we keep talking about how hard it is because it is hard. You definitely have to dip into wells of creativity to figure it out. Whereas for instance, like London, before they even announced the lottery results, I mean, for some so I, me personally, it was, I joined the London charity team, November, and then the race was in April. And then I had until July oh, wow. to finish, right? So it was like, I had November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. You know, I had eight to nine months to fundraise. Yeah. And I, that's one of the things that I personally look at whenever it's, it's yeah. charity, it's how much time am I given? Do I have to give my credit card? Are there deadlines for when you have to have certain amounts fundraised? And if any of that is present, I'm like, this isn't the charity for me because I know how stressful it is to run a marathon and adding that stuff on is only going to add to my stress. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. I have a few, like five or six more questions. These are going to be a little more rapid fire. Okay. So <laughs> shoot. Yeah. So what words would you have for the you of 20 years ago who went out for her first run that's a good one just have fun um i you know i've always taken running so seriously even today like i sometimes the pressure i put on myself takes away from like the enjoyment of where I'm at or who I'm experiencing it with. Um, so just have fun and enjoy every moment. Yeah. What words would you have for that woman in 2010 who got Ooh. the diagnosis of cancer? Ooh, that's a tough one too. <laughs> <laughs> um. stay optimistic, be, be hopeful. Um, and that's what I tell myself to today. Like when I go in for, um, my six month screenings are still stressful, but I, I just know how far like we've come in this, like for this disease and treatments and we still have a long ways to go, but it gives, it gives me hope and I'm very optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. What words of today 
do you want to give to the future you who's oh. going to surpass the 10k mark let's keep going <laughs> I, I definitely i definitely want to keep active keep fundraising um you know stay connected with my my friends my community and and running um it's you know even uh if i i'm lucky enough to run boston one day hopefully i can run short i'll i can retire from marathoning but keep <laughs> active keep running um i've appreciated all the the connections i've made through um running over the past six plus years of, of running the majors um yeah so i just want to keep it keep it up the you of today what words <laughs> does she have for the you of 10 years from now um try to stay try to say no <laughs> when you can um I say this to myself like every holiday season every year like don't get overloaded don't overcommit. and I, I like to stay busy but I definitely I, I need to I need to learn to put more um lazy days on my calendars and and less on my plate and it's it's hard not to overcommit especially with like kids and and my own stuff going on but um yeah I yeah just the thinking of cookie season coming up um just yeah try to try to try to uh learn when to to say no be more of a uh, a yes person, more of a, a just a consumer of information, be lazy and um, <laughs> not volunteer for everything. Yeah, because, you know, in 10 years, you're you said your son is 15. I mean, 10 years yeah. from now, you have a 25 year old, right? No, 10 years from now, you might be I don't I don't know how old your, your daughter is, but you might be an empty nester, right? Like that's yeah. going to be that'll be a totally. my girl's my girls are going to be 14 and 12. And I'm like, in 10 years, you know, if I, you know, hopefully I get there, but it's like, that's a 24 year old and a 22 year old. Yeah. What? Yeah. When so, did that happen? Yeah. So we're trying to enjoy every moment we have now before they're, they're out of the house for sure. More, more travel, but not, that's not just running related. <laughs> <laughs> that's also one of my goals for the next 10 years. Like more travel, but not just for races. Not just for races. Yeah, it can be just for, I can bring my running shoes, but it doesn't have to be tied to a race. Yes, I agree. I agree. Although in this season of life right now, it's a lot easier to get my husband to agree to travel when there's a race. When it's like, oh, but we're doing this thing. It's a lot easier. All right. Can you, these are the final three questions. It's just, can you remind us where to find you, how to connect more with you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram um, as Beer Mode Racer. <laughs> um, you can also find me on, you know, professionally on, on LinkedIn if you want to find me there. Um, I did, you know, I put everything together too in a link tree, uh, um, in marathons for melanoma, and you, you can see more of what I'm doing for my fundraising. So my fundraising link is in my, um, also in my, my uh, Instagram um, you know, I'll be doing a, I'm just kicking off my, my fundraising for Chicago marathon and excited about that. I have 
like even like a small Etsy store that sells things um, that are world majors and inspired that all those funds go to um, my uh, my fundraiser. So um, yeah, I'm excited to start training this uh, next year and to meet up with with you and a lot of the, the Team Sugar Runs team from our, our coaching group um, in Chicago, including my coach. I haven't seen her since Catherine since the last Chicago Marathon. So we're hoping to refresh some fresh photos together. Yeah, get, get some get some new content, right? Like get new updated content. content. Okay, I'm going to ask a side question real quick. What's the meaning behind your Instagram name? <laughs> um, so when I ran uh, my first marathon, um, uh, you know, you're hitting that wall, mile 20, there's always somebody with beer at like between mile 20 and, and 26. And it's, I'm like the, I feel like the Homer Simpson of running where I just can't resist. Mm -hmm. And so um, it always reminds me there's beer at the end of the race. And that's what I'm racing for. Unfortunately, sometimes I don't make it to the finish line and I have a beer or two during the race. Um, that happened to me um, in London. I couldn't resist a pint along the way, and that that really sl sl slowed me down. So it can really slow me down, but it makes those <laughs> last last few miles very in enjoyable. <laughs> I love that. Okay, I was like, I need to figure that out. All right. So, what do you have coming up? Which I think I know, but maybe you have something different to say. What do you have coming up that we can celebrate you in? So I'm. I'm really hoping to get um, faster this this year, but I, I mean, most of all, just want to stay healthy, but I'm going to keep up um, marathons this this year. So I'm doing mountains to the beach this spring in, in Ventura um, and then Chicago, which I'm I'm really excited for. It's it's going to be the first marathon where I've gone back to. I've never done a marathon the second time around. So um, I feel like Chicago's the way to go. Um, and then local, I'm excited for local races. I'll be um, doing the 20th anniversary of the OC Marathon in, in May. Um, I think I've run that race 14 years now. Um, it's my favorite local race and one I'm very passionate about in my community. So that's the one my, my son's going to be doing with me this year. Well, not with me. He's going to be way ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love all of that because and I think you've picked a really great race. Chicago is my favorite. That's the one that I've done multiple times because there's just something very, very special about that course in that city for me. I know other people love other races, but for me, Chicago's the one. Wish it wasn't so expensive. <laughs> listen, listen, I feel like everything's just gotten so expensive now. That's oh yeah <laughs> all right final question oh boy is it's no oh boy this is this <laughs> this is easy the final question is what are your final words for us stay um sun safe sunscreen every day I'm just gonna throw that out there it's never too late um yeah I just it's never too late to pick up good habits um and it's so easy to do um, just pick your favorite sunscreen and go with it. <laughs> yeah. And thank you. Okay. I'm going to ask a little offshoot question of that because is there a particular sunscreen that we should be using? 
<laughs> it's the sunscreen that you're willing to use every day is what I tell people, whatever, like if it's a spray or whatever, but I do, you know, I wouldn't go by brand or anything, but definitely SPF 50 or, or better, but really whatever, whatever's in your purse that you're willing to use daily or in your car. Yeah. Stick with it. Thank you. That's why I'm like, wait, I can't, I, I definitely need to ask that one too, because we can overthink it without really needing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. Just get what you're willing to put on, which is yeah. a lot of things. And re reapply. <laughs> <laughs> put it on and then reapply. All right. Thank you, Sharon, so much for sharing time with me, for talking to me. And Thank I you, really, Stephanie. I can't wait to, to meet you in 3D in October. So everyone, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, Stephanie. All right. Bye. Thanks. I love how running has created all kinds of connections for me. When I stop to think about it, I'm amazed that the act of putting on some running shoes has led me to where I am today, which is a place where I'm having incredible conversations with some truly remarkable women. Sharon's personal story with melanoma is a beautiful testament to self-care and advocacy. And her use of running races to build awareness is a reminder that running is more than just the physical act of moving forward one step at a time. Running is a space where we find strength, community, and confidence. For more on Sharon, give her a follow on Instagram at Beer Mode Racer and support all the work she's doing for her marathons for melanoma at her link tree. You can reach out to me on Instagram at The Cookie Runner or through my website at thecookierunner.net. You can also support this podcast with a rating, review, or a share. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.